verse 2. The Bible stands like a mountain towering far above the works of man. Its truth by none ever was refuted and destroyed. It made hand. The Bible stands though the hills may tumble, it will burn. When the earth shall crumble, I will plant my feet. that we have your word that we can have it in our homes in our vehicles in our hands but um, more importantly in our hearts and minds father thank you that we can enjoy your truths that are eternal truths and father i ask you that you'd use your word to make a difference in our lives today that in every way we would honor and worship you because you deserve that as we open the scriptures together Please bless our time. Teach us through the Holy Spirit. Father, I ask you too that in our time of fellowship, gathering together like this, you would be honored and worshipped. And as we give and sing, may it all be for the honor and glory of you. Thank you for Jesus Christ who came into this world as God in the flesh and made it possible through his shedding, the shedding of his blood and the crucifixion and his physical death, burial, and physical bodily resurrection that we may have a relationship with you that lasts forever. And Father, thank you that the Bible tells us about that. I ask you that our time together today would be that which is pleasing in your sight for your honor and glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. a shelter in the time of storm oh yes there are real storms in our world uh, 
the physical storms, but even more serious are the spiritual battles going on. And we have a shelter in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's sing 171, A Shelter in the Time of Storm. for a scripture reading. Please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 15 and follow along as Tom reads verses 1 through 7. Romans 15. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak not, and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good ed- to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but a- as it is written... The reproaches of them that reproached ye fell on me. For whatsoever things are written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Jesus Christ, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. 
Amen. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, please. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Read, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Oh, Father God, as we open this portion of your holy word, I ask you that you would teach us and that the Holy Spirit would convict us and guide us and that you would apply it to our hearts and minds and that we would not carry the burdens that we often do that should be given to you entirely. And yet you have made it possible for us to share in bearing each other's burdens as part of your work in this world. Thank you that you've given us a part of your work of grace in this world. Oh, Father God, you know we need it. And I ask you that you would be the one who's honored and glorified as we explore this portion of Scripture together today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Last week we finished Galatians chapter 5 and the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Chapter 5 verse 23 concludes, against such there is no law. There is no Old Testament or New Testament Bible law against these godly attributes called the fruit of the Spirit. There were 613 Old Testament laws given. I don't know who counted those, but that would have been quite the job. But the fruit of the Spirit is above all 613. Someone has counted 253 New Testament commands. But the fruit of the Spirit, there's no law against them. The standard is higher of these fruit of the Spirit, of these nine fruit, because they're character qualities. That's higher than keeping a checklist of, I did that, and I did not do that, and so on. It's a matter of the heart, and not simply a matter of the acts or volition and duties or the will. No law had been written against loving God. I'm glad for that. Yes, there was a law commanding to do that, but not against it. No law had been written against being long-suffering or gentle. No law had been written against being good to others and being faithful to God. I'm glad. (laughs) But lo and behold, that is no longer the case. What do I mean by that? There are people trying to write laws against good in our world. The political left-wing 
And you know I sometimes or often take a moment and make a political statement. Here it is. The political left wing are doing their worst to get laws passed in the United States of America against people whose li- or who live faithfully toward God and express the fruit of the Spirit. They would like to suppress that or do away with it. Bible-believing Christians are being attacked by an onslaught of verbal abuse, being called bigots, racists, homophobics, woman-haters, and child molesters. If a Christian parent dares speak up against boys in girls' bathrooms or a drag queen performance in their school, they are arrested for being terrorists in some places. You've seen that on the news. So far, there is legal defense, but it costs untold thousands of dollars all across the nation. Truly, many in our country do not really want Christians to live out the fruit of the Spirit. The contrast to their immoral lifestyle would be too sharp, I suppose, and limit or restrain the lawlessness that they seek. Their agenda is to influence as many as they can, especially children today. I'm not telling you anything new. But vote for the school board nominees that will speak out against wrong and support good and moral choices this month. You have that opportunity. Vote. There is a description of each of them in the recent copy of the Tobacco Valley News, pages 1 and 10. I challenge you to read those and make a choice and vote. You have that opportunity. If we place strong conservative school board members, it will make a difference in our schools. You and I must not be silent. Stand up for godly, biblical, moral values while there is a chance. Do it. A saying that is more correct than the old adage, silence is golden, I believe this one's more correct. Silence may be golden, but sometimes it's just plain old yellow. We do need to stand up for what's right and against what's wrong. In our sermon today, we will consider an apparent, an apparent paradox. But this is a day and age of real paradox in our world. Isaiah warned of this day. In Isaiah 5, verse 18, Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin, as it were, with a cart rope. Verse 20, Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes, and prudent, in their own sight. God declares these woes through his penman Isaiah. Pray, dear Christian, and do, dear Christian, because the stakes are high. What is a paradox, by the way? (laughs) I just mentioned one in our country. They call good evil and evil good. 
Juanetta and I were baffled by the billboards in Maine when we got to take one of our last vacations together. We went and viewed the lighthouses along the Maine coast, and that was a delight for us. But the billboards along the highways, a lot of them said, wicked good on them somehow in the advertisement. That's a paradox. There's no such thing necessarily. What is a paradox? By definition, a paradox is a statement that is contrary to popular opinion or a statement that is self-contradictory, but it may or it may not be, but it may be really true, according to Webster. A common paradox, and I want to thank our folks present today who served our country, a common paradox is fighting for peace, right? Fighting for peace. Hmm. It sounds contradictory, but it's true in many cases. America has enjoyed much freedom and peace in the last 247 years. Wow. It's come to us, though, at a cost, hasn't it? Many have fought so that there could be peace in our land. If people are not willing to engage and fight for peace, they will be taken over by tyrants. We are not pacifists. There are people around us that are, but we're not pacifists, no. The Hollanders were pacifists, and Hitler took them over like that. You know that. And there will be no peace if we're taken over by tyrants, but folks will live in fear constantly. Now, on the lighter side, I'm going to get to a, a few lighter things, but in a moment, first I want to quote Benjamin Franklin. Only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become more corrupt and vicious, they have more need for masters. William Penn wrote, those people who are not governed by God will be ruled by tyrants. Thomas Jefferson all tyranny needs to gain a foothold is for good people to remain silent. Again, Benjamin Franklin wrote, those willing to trade liberty for temporary security deserve neither and will lose both. Fighting for peace is just one of many paradoxical statements. Just for fun, here are a few others to lighten it. Why is the third hand on a watch called the second hand? Okay, people have digital watches nowadays, I know. For those of us who had and still have some rotary or dial watches, why is it called the second hand when it's the third one? Okay, here's another paradox. Why is it called after dark when it's really after light? Here's another. Why are wise men, or a wise man, why is wise man and a wise guy opposites? <laughs> Here are a couple of paradoxical bulletin bloopers. <laughs> and I collect some of this stuff because it does make me chuckle. Here it is. This was in a bulletin in a church service once. The piece, not ours, by the way, the peacemaking meeting scheduled for today has been canceled due to a conflict. 
I like this one. The sermon this morning, quote unquote, Jesus walks on the water, end quote. The sermon tonight, quote, searching for Jesus. <laughs> oh, well. Let's get to our sermon for today. Burdens, are they a paradox in Galatians? You know, the seeming paradox is found in verses 2 and 5, which we just read. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 5, for every man shall bear his own burden. Hmm, which is it? Well, let's pause for a moment. There are no contradictions in the Bible. Everybody agree to that? There are not contradictions in the Bible, for it is all inspired of God by the Holy Spirit, who is by his own perfection incapable of contradiction. Second Timothy 3.16 tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God and that it is profitable for us. John 17.17 17 declares, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And in Psalm 12, verse 6, the Bible tells us the words of the Lord are pure words. No, there's no contradiction in the Bible. So what is going on in our text today? The answer begins with the context in verse 1. Brethren is the first word, is Paul's straightforward way of addressing a Christian, a believer in Christ, of the true Christian brotherhood. This verse shows that none of us are perfect. None of us are sinless or above temptation. Did you catch that? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. All of us need each other to walk in this world with our Savior, to walk in the Spirit and bear the fruit of the Spirit. All of us need that. If a fault, it could be translated a sin or trespass, overtake another one, presumably a brother here. The word overtaken is the Greek word prolombano and has to do with a surprise. The idea here is out of neglect, not a plan. It wasn't a planned sin in this case, necessarily. Although people do that, too. Out of neglect, the person falls for some temptation and is caught in its snare. Then a Christian brother and friend and part of the church is responsible before the Lord to help the fallen soldier up. And no pride can be part of this process. Pride does not fit in this at all. Ye who are spiritual is not some sort of higher class. That's not what is being implied here. We may just simply be in a position to land a hand out of the pit or guide a friend through a minefield and on the way to safety. No gossip fits this either. Gossip cannot be part of this, for that only makes matters worse. And then the last part of verse <laughs> of our verse applies to you and me, lest thou also be tempted. The word restore is katartizo, and it teaches us to mend or repair. But let's be very careful that we only do so in the spirit of meekness 
and I underlined meekness in my notes. You recognize that one? Last week we looked at meekness in verse 23 of chapter 5, didn't we? That means not weakness, but strength under control, under God's control, being kind and mild towards someone who is weak and hurting, even when they're wrong, even when they've wronged you. Meekness means being patient and compassionate without any spirit of revenge. That takes strength, and we can draw that strength only from God. And so verse 2 says, bear ye one another's burdens. That helps us. The context helps us understand bear ye one another's burdens. The word bear ye, I'm sorry, that's two words in English, is one. And in the Greek language, it is bastadzo and means to lift or to sustain or to take up. Bearing others' burdens is a responsibility, number one. Bearing others' burdens is a responsibility, verses one through three. One of our New Testament commands is found here. It is a command, a positive command. Bear ye one another's burdens. And it is also, of course, one of the one another's in our Bibles. And we've studied those from time to time. This word burdens is more general and a different word than we see in verse 5 for burdens. In our context, it has to do with helping carry or lifting a load. We understand that. Just in general, it is, burdens is baras, and even sounds somewhat like our English word borrow, doesn't it? It does. You can borrow someone's burden and help them carry that, and it is a design of God. God is the one that can enable that. A burden could be a physical one. It could be a physical one, but there's more to it than that. Like after my quadruple bypass, oh, I'm sorry, I had five bypasses. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm kind of forgetting those days in a way. that they, They're not on my mind all the time. That was I would never wish that on anyone. That's rough stuff. Several folks, and some of you who are present here, helped us and bore some of our baras, didn't they, Juanetta? Burdens. Physically, with chores, our son Aaron mowed our grass. I wasn't able to do that at the time. There were many, many things that he and many of you did. But emotionally, just by being there for us. Emotionally, you helped bear a burden for us. And then there was the calmly comforting us. So spiritually, you helped us and prayed for us. You bore burdens that helped us. God's design for us is that we bear one another's burdens, and it is our responsibility. 1 Corinthians 12 Verse 12 says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 14, For the body is not one member, but many. Verse 18, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. I might be a big toe and get, get it stubbed once in a while. I'll need your help. Anyway, verse 23, or 22 and 23 say, Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be feeble are necessary. 
And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon those or these we bestow more abundant honor. There's an old saying, a burden shared is half a burden. And on the other hand, a blessing shared is a double blessing. And it seems that that works in God's economy. Bearing the burdens of others helps me focus on the Savior, not myself. We need to focus on the Savior and not me. Way too many Christians are so focused on themselves, they don't even notice another person's struggles. We only hear about themselves. Instead, we ought to be helping others with their struggles and taking our eyes off self. When we take our eyes off self and look on Christ, we receive what is needed to truly bear another's burdens. My sweetheart's life verses, Philippians 4.13, which tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Secondly, well, focusing on the Savior, let's see, number one, focusing on the Savior, not myself. Secondly, focusing on the solution, not the sin. Too many Christians notice another person's sin, and that's about all they think about. It consumes their thinking, and even what they say. That is the problem that leads to being tempted yourself at the end of verse 2, and being deceived at the end of verse 3. Dear Christian, start with prayer. That's where you start. Not by trying to fix other people, but start with prayer. James 5.15, we need to make this part of our thinking. I'll just read verses 15 and 16. James 5.15, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. God is the forgiver of sins, by the way. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So start with prayer. Then seek ways to edify or build up each other in the Lord. Tom read Romans 15, verse 2, which speaks of edification, building each other up. Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 says, Wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. May that be said of the church in Eureka as well as Thessalonica. The goal, the responsibility for you and for me is to lighten their load and not add to it. Hmm. Juanetta and I have a saying, don't put rocks in my backpack. Some of you know the history of that, but most of you probably don't. I had an opportunity to go sheep hunting in the Chugach Mountains in Alaska for doll sheep, and 
early, early, early in the morning, I was going to pick up a friend named Rich, and the two of us would hike up above tree line and alder line and hunt mountain sheep for five days. So if you're carrying everything you need, tent, sleeping bag, alpine stove, food, everything, that's kind of a heavy backpack to start with. So everything we could do, we made sure that our backpacks were as light as possible, especially thinking if we get a sheep, then we have to carry it out also on top of all the gear. And we had company at the time I was going to be leaving early in the morning. They too were going to be leaving Alaska and heading back to Montana. Two families were with us and early in the morning before I, well, at the night before they watched me go through my backpack and make sure that I had everything in order for the hunt. Anyway, <clears throat> early the next morning they surprised me because it was very, very early in the morning. They were both standing, the husbands were standing out by my pickup and they, I said, well, what are you guys doing up? And they said, well, we're leaving today and you're leaving today. We just wanted to tell you goodbye one more time. Okay, well, thanks, guys. And they said, good luck and all of that stuff. And I uh, got in the pickup and went over and picked up Rich and we drove as far as we possibly could in four-wheel drive and parked the pickup, locked it up, and started heading up the mountain with our backpacks and our rifles. And it was about an hour into that and I looked back at Rich and I said, I'm out of shape. This is terrible. And he said, me too. <laughs> I asked him, have you shot your rifle yet this fall? And he said, no. I said, well, let's take a break and shoot our guns and see if they're still on, you know. So we took our backpacks off and <clears throat> I unzipped the pocket that I knew I had my ammo in. And I reached in there and I didn't feel the ammo box. I felt a rock. And I thought, no way, you guys. I found about 10 rocks scattered throughout my backpack that day. They got me good. (laughs) But it's given Juanetta and me an illustration for each other. Sometimes I'll say something and she'll just simply say, you just added a rock to my backpack. And it means something to me. Dear friend, we're to bear one another's burdens, not add to them. Not add to them. Take the rocks out, okay? Take the rocks out of the backpacks as a brother and as a friend or a sister and a friend. Bearing the burdens of others helps me fulfill the law of Christ, as we saw in verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We would all agree that doing the law or commands of Jesus Christ is a good thing, right? Yes, we should all agree on that. John 15, 12 then says, This is my commandment, Jesus said, that ye love one another as I have loved you. James wrote in James 2, 8, If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You do well. In 1 John, the Apostle John wrote, chapter 4, verse 21, And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. 
In Romans 15.1, Tom read, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. When bearing the burdens of others, it helps take my focus off self and on Christ. It helps take my focus off the sin and onto the solution, and it fulfills the law of Christ. Number two, bearing my burdens, as it says in verse 5, is a reward? It is. Bearing my burdens is a reward. That sounds odd. Here we have a different word for burden than in verse 2. It's fortion. <laughs> this word has to do with getting what we deserve. That's what this word has to do with. This burden is getting what we deserve. It's my result, if you will, what I do. Here's an idea. When I bear my own burdens, number one, I pay when I do wrong. I get what I deserve when I do wrong. Either now, and yes, often that's the case, or eternity somehow, I pay when I do wrong. That's the word burdens here. Example, maybe, in verses 7 and 8, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. I plan to look at that next week in more detail. However, the idea is, what we do has consequences. But praise God, he's in the business of changing people's lives for the better, for good. I'm glad for repentance and restoration. God is in that business. But when I do wrong, I bear the burden of that. Sinful indulgences harm us personally and those around us. We rot when we're rotten. That's the idea. We rot when we're rotten. It can lead to diseases like cirrhosis of the liver. It can lead to HIV or AIDS or even mental diseases. These kinds of burdens yield a harmful reward. It costs us. So I pay when I do wrong. Bear ye one another's burdens. That is a totally different... Un <laughs> The word is very different than the word in verse 2 for burdens. Here's another one. When I bear my own burdens, secondly, I get paid when I do right. I pay when I do wrong, and I get paid when I do right. God is ready to reward you and me for doing things that are honoring to him. Verse 4 says this. Every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. God gives a special rejoicing that is fit for you and for me if we do what is right. He pays us that way or he gives us that burden. So before the Lord, when our motives are right and our heart is right and our actions are right, he rewards us. Now, that's the kind of burden I want. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of burden I want. God gives us a rejoicing heart, verse 4. Let's look at 1 Peter 1, verses 6 through 9. Go to 1 Peter 1, verses 6 through 9. 
here we have that bold apostle, Peter, writing these words. First Peter 1, verse 6, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, that means in this life, we can rejoice. If need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Yes, even now in this life, our Lord gives us rejoicing as a reward. We get paid when we do right. And then in the future, when we're with his, him in his glory, <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5 tells us of the judgment seat of Christ. Here's a quick description of that. Verse 9, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. God rewards good deeds. And there will be that wonderful Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ someday in the future, where believers will be given rewards for what they've done in this life. And we will place those crowns back at the Lord's feet to honor him because he deserves that honor. First Thessalonians 2.19 says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Our reward will be given to us someday at the judgment seat of Christ. It's not a judgment where there's punishment. It's a judgment where garlands were given in the Roman and Greek games there were crowns that were to honor the contestants and the participants in those games. It was a reward, like first place, second place, and third place. That's the idea. I get paid when I do right. And it isn't about me getting two crowns or three and you getting four. That's not the point. The point is it's all about honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Do we want to honor him in this life? There is no paradox, by the way, in Galatians chapter 6. There isn't a paradox here. It's only an apparent one. When we bear one another's burdens in a way pleasing to the Lord, it lightens their load. And God gives rejoicing as a reward when I bear my own burdens. It's not a paradox. It's not a contradiction. To wrap up, of course, it's always important to me to make an offer of salvation each week. If there's anyone here who isn't absolutely sure that when you pass from this life, you'll be present with the Lord, if you're not absolutely sure that you're saved through the grace of Jesus Christ, by faith in him. Please talk with me as we close the service.
Today is the day of salvation, and you can make sure of it today. God will lift a burden from you if you do that, and the weight of your sin is more than you can bear. More than anyone could bear, except Jesus can bear it because he's God. Give it to him. Trust him as your Savior. If you are a Christian, and I trust most are, maybe you have a burden that needs to be shared. Maybe you do. First and foremost, give it to the Lord and pray. And then give it to a brother or sister in Christ. It's not God's intent that we carry a burden alone. He does not want us to carry our burdens alone. And then, lastly, make sure that your own burdens are actually rewarded by our Lord for good. Heavenly Father, you know the hearts who are present here today. You know the thoughts, the troubles, the joys, every detail of our lives, Father God. Nothing catches you by surprise. Nothing is hidden from you. And Heavenly Father, I ask you that however the Holy Spirit is moving in anyone's heart, I ask you, Father God, that you would do a great work among our church family and strengthen us as a body of believers. Every member is important. Every body part is important. And Father God, I ask you that we would recognize we have a responsibility before you in two areas, bearing others' burdens and bearing our own burdens, as we've read in our text today. Father God, I ask you that we would make commitments to you that are real and lifelong and that the Holy Spirit would enable us to do so. And if there's someone who needs Christ as Savior, that they would not delay in making sure of that today. Father God, I ask you that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, I would like to ask you to open your songbooks to 494, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And let's sing just verse 1 of 494. Please stand and we'll be dismissed after singing 494, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Verse 1, 494. This afternoon, we'll be meeting at Mountain View Manor. Have a great afternoon in the Lord.